Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. (laughs) I love that these really complicated topics, I think I love them not because they're complicated, but because they cause you to think. And thinking is not necessarily a bad thing, except that the thinking would not then be sanctified. And what sanctifies the thought? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) And without the Holy Spirit, we might think about a bunch of stuff, but none of it would be necessarily turned toward the truth, as with Word, living Word of God. And therein, we'd just be left with our thoughts. Though they may be complicated or even high-minded, they're really not going to amount to much of anything, as they used to say, a hill of beans. And so it goes with specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling. Not necessarily that it's all a hill of beans, but if it's not sanctified by the Word, and the Word therein sanctified by the Holy Spirit then whatever it is that you think about, as complicated as it may seem, and there's plenty of ways to complicate otherwise pretty simple thoughts. And in that, then, what good is it? What good is counseling? What good is specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, if it doesn't really answer the most basic of questions in that way, very simple simplistic in its addressing a very basic, in that way, simplistic need. And what would that need be? Not necessarily beginning with the physical needs, although some might argue that anything to do with specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, if it were to be turned to trying to fix anything in our mortality, in our carnality, in our human nature, which is both mortal and carnal, it would really not amount to much more than a hill of eats. And hence why I think this question of, is there really a resurrection from the dead? It would not be that we've not tackled this subject before, and I'm hopeful that it doesn't turn in the same direction of previous podcasts, lest I disappoint any of our listeners, but it would have to all be turned toward resurrection in Jesus Christ, and in that way it will always sound, at least in conclusion, the conclusion being Jesus Christ, very similar, because all answers to life's many needs, multitude of needs in carnality and mortality included, they're not met except in Jesus Christ. You can meet them to some extent by delaying (laughs) the ultimate outcome of life without Jesus in a very complicated sort of fashion and way. Even should you say, oh, it's just real basic survival of the fittest. It's just got all kinds of mess attached to it. But I think that's what we do with resurrection from the dead. We make it much more complicated than it has to be because we move it away from the basic, central premise of Jesus Christ. And when we do, then we get into all of the sticky wickets of human thought And those are things that I want to stay away from 
in specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling. I'll leave that up to psychological counseling. I'll leave that up to secular counseling. I'll leave that up to the thoughts themselves, all of which are human, of humanism. If it doesn't lead to then resurrection in Jesus Christ. Because truthfully, there is no resurrection of the human element if it means humanism or if it means persona, personification, personality. Better left dead. Don't try to resurrect it. Don't try to make it something that it's not. Don't try to elevate it to some level where therein you might say, Oh, this is the key. The keys to the kingdom. By the way, which Jesus took back. But he took them back by going to hell and setting the captives free. All of that leads, it's the road to perdition, leads to hell. Because it's a miss. The most glorious, basic message. The only thing that otherwise we could as Christians truly lay claim to that would distinguish us from the rest of carnality or carnal thinking, mortality attached to it, death. And that is there is resurrection in Jesus Christ. And that's what I preach. Resurrection in Jesus Christ. And you can't go wrong if you start there. You might go wrong, or at least you could get out, as I like to say, in the weeds a bit too much if you start somewhere else and try to get there. But you do that, once again, without Holy Spirit sanctification. And you really don't know the Word well enough to know what the Word is all about. And that is, again, Jesus Christ. But for the sake of all of us who may more, some, less, others, know the Word of God and still be a bit uncertain about this resurrection thing, I would like to take on, again, this complicated subject and try to, in Jesus Christ, in the Word, living Word of God, in taking it to Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, making it so simple that it's foolproof, F-O-O-L. To do that, we're going to go, at least for today's podcast, to 1 Corinthians. We're going to read from chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also who are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, 
We are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterward, that they are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted who did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that all put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do who are baptized for the dead if, they, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what doth it profit me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, evil, com evil company corrupts good morals." Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now again, the question, altogether not rhetorical, is, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And you could say and argue, who said that? We all know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Who said that? We all know that resurrection from the dead is the only thing that distinguishes us from the rest, even though possibly high-minded sorts of thoughts. Even so, some lesser. Even so, some lesser corruption. Even so, more of greater corruption, or some of more or greater corruption. If it doesn't come back to Jesus being raised from the dead, then we're all dead. <laughs> There'll be none that's raised from the dead. You might try to convince yourself somehow that it's of high moral standing, or we'll take the moral high road. You might want to convince yourself, oh, it serves a purpose while we're alive. But unless you're willing to lay down your life in that way of trusting that Jesus Christ really, truly was raised from the dead or was raised from the dead, unless you're willing to put that cred on the line, not so much even for others, but for yourself, when the time comes to face your decease, 
you will find out very quickly whether or not you really believed how some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead because you might be one of them. It's the same thing when it comes to, I believe, Christian counseling, specialized pastoral care, as I tried to declare earlier. You can make it pretty complicated by trying to figure out how to get around that. What is that? Not necessarily that Christ was raised from the dead, but that you're going to have to be dead in order for Christ to raise you from the dead. And being dead is only as dead as your humanity and all that crazy thinking that would lead us into or down the road to perdition into, once more, the so-called weeds. Because there's no way around that. You can't hedge that. You can't somehow bypass that. You can't somehow get around that. You can try to convince yourself of that. You can lie to yourself and say that you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. But you would have to also believe that Jesus indeed was subject to dead. And in that same sort of a way, you might say, well, only Jesus had to die. But no, that doesn't work that way, except that in that Jesus died once for us all. But until we accept that Jesus not only died, but that we too have to die to Christ, our humanity, our humanism, our carnality, our mortality, our high-minded thinking will be no better than Adam. And Adam was the first man that led us into sin. And with that, Jesus was the last, as Paul described it, man, to take us out of sin, but not out of his own flesh or even just simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as the Old Testament prophesied to not only the raising, <laughs> the return of the Messiah, but the raising of the Messiah to the elevated place where he would then save us all. Many, even as with Old Testament awareness and knowledge, knowing the word of God, even with the clear-mindedness that hopefully the word of God would bring us, the clarity of thought and thinking, it would not save anyone except they would be willing to admit that the only way that any of us, including the gospel of Jesus Christ's message of salvation, would find salvation in Jesus Christ would be Jesus, the Messiah, taking on the sins of the world, which would be all of the human corruption that tries to hedge, skirt the issue, and tries to find an answer that does not require dying to self. You have to die to self. You can't be something different until that happens. Specialized pastoral care says you can't make you a better thing until you die to the lesser thing. And even so, there is no greater thing if you just limit that to carnality or mortality because in that... It all leads to death. But in that, if you don't believe in Jesus being resurrected from the dead, that's as far as you're going to go. 
Oh, it sounds good. Oh, it's a great message. Oh, it's noble. Oh, it's the moral high road. Oh, I'm going to commit my life to this. (laughs) But there's no life if you don't also acknowledge that not only will you commit your life to Jesus, but you will enter into Jesus in such the way that he will take you to the end of yourself so that you might put on immortality, so that there may be a new creature in Christ, but more so a manifestation of, in the Holy Spirit, a new person inside of you. One that is not a psychological construct, not that psychology itself is the curse, except that it would be the end of you, the human construct and construction, but that it would be of the Holy Spirit in you that quickeneth your mortal soul in the name of Jesus with the words of life. And what would those words be? Yes, even Paul is declaring them in the passage we read from today. That you have to believe in resurrection of the dead. But it's not your humanity. It's not you. It's not all that that goes into persona, personification, personality. All of that is human. Humanism. What it is is Christ in you now unto Godly glory, the resurrected Christ, that's your key. That's the key to the kingdom, not on earth, but the kingdom that is in heaven. Because it really says, if you die to you, that's the only way you're going to live in him. And should you live in him, if you do not believe he was resurrected from the dead, then you will not find that resurrection power available to you because it will be preclusive. You will preclude your operating in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit because you don't believe. And when the day of your decease comes, the proof, the validation of what you really do believe, you won't be able to take the next step. You will stop there. And stopping there is like stopping on the wrong side of the Jordan when on the other side of the Jordan is the promised land. Stopping there would be as in taking it all the way up to the end and then failing to go ahead and follow through with what you say that you've believed in all your life but really have never experienced the fullness thereof and have really then relied totally upon the grace and mercy of God just to get you so far. But if you can't claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the Messiah, to the resurrecting of the dead, then you're dead. Your body is dead, for sure. Because even the resurrected body, as we've read and then we'll continue to read in 1 Corinthians 15 today, does not necessarily mean you're going to come back as a human. It does not necessarily mean that your persona, your personality is going to be resurrected. You can say, well, Jesus was resurrected. 
Yes, but I'm not sure that wasn't for anything but so that we might, those of us who would testify unto the resurrection of Christ, beginning with the disciples, the first to see the resurrected Jesus with identity, would claim, but only could claim because, oh, that's Jesus. (laughs) They knew what he looked like. Thomas, again, could stick the finger, his fingers into those piercings of Jesus' body and say, yes, this is what happened to Jesus, the Christ. But it would not be that would be the end because as much that might be the beginning, the return of Jesus, he would come again in a new body, a resurrected body that had a new name. Which doesn't mean, again, that it may not or may have some human form. I don't know about that. I just don't think any of our human corruption, I do not believe that any of our human corruption would serve any good purpose in a resurrected body just to contaminate the natural existence again with corruption. And should there be any of that? then the final say of it all would be, let that pass. Let that be taken away from us so that we might be completely and totally unadulterated by any of the things that led to our death. The mortality itself, the carnality itself, the humanism itself. Let's not again glorify the creature Let's understand that if there is a resurrection in bodily form that has anything to do with human persona, it is Jesus. It is not me. It is not you. It may be in some ways all of us together in Christ Jesus, but that would not last very long. That would only last as long as it would take for the final determination the final death of humanism, which then would signify the death of death, the death of mortality and carnality, because even so, those things are of carnal construction. It is not God's will that any of us should perish, but all should have eternal life. Continuing then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not made alive, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but a bare grain, it may chance of wheat, Or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. And to every seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men. Another flesh of beasts. Another of fish. And another of birds. There are also celestial bodies. And bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star shineth, excuse me, differeth from another star in glory. 
so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and then there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. However, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So what does all that mean? It means that in even bodily dimension, should there be a resurrection of the dead? Only in terrestrial sort of terms, natural sort of order. Who knows what it will be? It likely will be of God's, I know it will be, of God's choosing I don't want to say it will always be human if you start with human. I don't know that. I'm not sure that that is what Paul means as he then goes through the list of the different bodily forms, creations of God. I would like to say, though, that it's possible, but even if it's possible that you would return in new human form, you're not going to come back as you, persona. That is the corruption. (laughs) You'll come back, if so, and I'm not sure I believe that. If so, it will be at God's discretion. But even so, would it not be, should that occur, better to be Jesus than it would be to be David Clay or whatever your name is? Not dismissive of the importance of you as a person, but your importance has to be lost in Jesus lest it die with your body because it is only of human construct and only for the conditions of the natural world. Paul makes a huge distinction between the corruptible and incorruptible, between the natural and the spiritual. But the resurrection from the dead in a natural sense is probably not going to be you. And should that be of some disappointment or some sadness to you? Or should that cause you to question what then is the relevance of your humanity? You serve a good purpose while in your humanity because God needs you to be unique and different from one another for the sake of the conditions of the natural and the transactional nature of the natural. But when you get to the heavenly realm, you don't want to be different because nothing of that in natural will translate as corruption into the incorruptible. You want to be resurrected in Jesus Christ 
They're in spirit. And the Apostle Paul makes that distinction between Adam, which is of human persona, and Jesus, which is of spirit and Holy Spirit. And as much as Jesus had persona, personification of the Holy Spirit, it too was for the sake of, once again, relatability. We had to recognize the Messiah, and even so, his initial resurrected body, lest we not understand or comprehend. Yes, this is Jesus. Yes, he is the Messiah. But we're to be transformed, changed into spirit. And that would then be of the human soul, not the human body, for it will go the way of corruption. The human soul, however, does have safe passage in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ, into eternity, into reestablished relations with God Almighty, who is the Spirit. But only in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And in that, if you're going to be resurrected from the dead... It's going to be spiritual resurrection. If you're going to be resurrected from the dead, it's going to be in the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be resurrected from the dead, your carnal, your human nature, it's going to be in the perfect love of God so that you might experience the abundant life both naturally as well as supernaturally or spiritually. But in the natural, it doesn't matter because it's not you salvation is for you and in that sense it is unique it is personal it's only for humans I believe because only humans have taken on a dimension of the natural soul the human soul but we don't celebrate that except it would be turned to Christ Jesus and only then while we're in the natural and only then with the word, living word of God, with the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, assist us, taking us unto Jesus Christ, living even in the natural, in what we best understand the word, living word, the Bible has shown us to be the perfect man, Jesus Christ, human. But I don't want to stay there because that won't do anything for me in supernatural dimension. And before I even have to test it, even before I get to, did I really believe in the resurrection of the dead? I want to make sure I understand what's being resurrected. I don't want to believe in the resurrection of the dead if the dead is my natural body. I want to believe in the resurrection of the dead if the dead is, oh, Jesus came so that my mortal soul, my human soul, that would be subject to death without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, now has found a place of habitation in Jesus Christ and the purposes of God, not only to perfect love, not only in the conditional aspect of the natural realm, but more so the unconditional Holy Spirit realm, the actual throne of God realm, the third heaven realm, the other dimension realm of the spiritual. I want to be in love <laughs> with Jesus, but with God in love, his perfect love, and I want to share perfect love with everyone 
so that I don't run risk of going back to that transactional carnal nature and then perishing again. It's apostasy. It would be going back, certainly as much as I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, certainly as much as I've said, oh, I believe in resurrection of the dead, certainly because I've said I believe in the resurrection of not only the dead, but Christ Jesus, and that is my hope of the eventual glory to come. But if I go back, then I go back into mortality. If I go too far back into the carnal nature, I could, in that apostasy, I could lose my salvation. Do I think that would happen? No. But only if, I don't think it could happen, if I really have believed in the first place. If I've accepted Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, And his bodily resurrection, not mine, his. And believing so, not only did he come once to show me that, but however you see the millennial in terms of book of Revelation, which we're going to get to here in a moment, even in this chapter, whether we're ahead of or post the millennial reign, when Jesus comes again, When the thousand years would end and there is then the devil loosed for another season before he is cast eternally into the lake of fire, bound eternally unto condemnation, damnation. And all of those who have rejected Christ and all the angels who went with the devil with the first (laughs) Um, insurrection. I want to be counted among those that are preserved. I want to be counted among those who are ministering to the nations. But should it not have happened yet or occurred? I know Jesus has already come because I am in some ways the resurrected body of Christ. Even as Jesus, and with personage by the way, persona. Even as much Jesus came back, I now am continuing to represent him in humanity because humanity has not ceased to exist. I do believe at the end of the millennial reign, which would incline me to believe we are premillennial still. I don't know. It gets confusing for me because it could be postmillennial. And that's the complication, and that's how far out in the weeds that you can get, and that's how <laughs> the road, the first brick on the road that leads to perdition, that's the first one you step on. It doesn't matter, except that I'm trying to somehow hedge it, skirt the issue. If it would be pre or post, if I still have humanity, it's because I am now in Christ Jesus, Jesus alive in me. I am in that way demonstrating some resurrection of the dead, Jesus. But it's not me, but it is in my flesh and through my persona. But when the time comes for Jesus to come again, all of this will be laid aside because there will be no humanity at that point and whatever it is that God would choose to do in natural realm and in that bodily resurrection 
all the things that make up, as with composition, my human form. Whatever he chooses to do with the natural and the material, it's up to him. Because it doesn't matter to me. Because at that point, I am sanctified by the Holy Spirit, redeemed in the blood of the Lamb, and I am an overcomer by the word of my testimony of Jesus Christ. But not just of words, but I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be changed. And I'm going to be changed not only as in as I said earlier, specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, not only as a kind of a tweaking of my humanity, not only as sort of, oh, well, you have to still hold on to a portion. I'm going to lose all of me in Jesus. It sounds a little scary, but I have confidence that he loves me, God, that Christ came to die for me, that I am then going to be resurrected in him, but not bodily. I don't care about that. I'm going to be resurrected in the Holy Spirit. Spirit, Because what then is my persona but ego? What then is my concerns for bodily resurrection? It's an ego trip. It's vanity. It's a waste of time. Not entirely, because I still function again in material (laughs) regard and reference. And even as Jesus came back, so that they may know, I am in Christ Jesus, and Jesus manifests in me. I hold moniker (laughs) as a Christian. And that's good for the lost, because it's not over and done yet. The final say, the final trump has not sounded. But when the day comes... (laughs) It doesn't matter. And if you're all hung up and preoccupied with that, then I don't know that you really understand resurrection from the dead. And if you do, you're still only understanding it as in Adam in Old Testament and as in then prophetic word of Jesus Christ and as in accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But we want more than that. We want a total, complete release Of all of those things that would be corruption and would hold us back from being all of those things that God promises unto us in Christ Jesus. But none of those things have to do with our humanity. So I read through verse 50 a moment ago. Excuse me. Now I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortality must put on immortality. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth the victory, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus 
Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what is this saying then? It's saying, I think, all the things that I've been trying to say, it punctuates that, validates, justifies much of those things that I've been attempting to declare as with belief. But it's even saying there'll be some that that won't die, but still have to put on immortality. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, you could again say, well, maybe he's saying that those that are deceased or dead will be asleep awaiting the second coming. And in that then, with the second coming of Jesus, will be awakened to a new life. I can't say that that isn't what that means because I don't profess myself to be enough of a theological scholar to be able to say that for certain. But I can say I believe this for certain, that it doesn't matter to this extent. If you're asleep, then you're dead. And should then there be some that are still alive when Jesus comes again, they won't sleep. But they still will be in that same way awaiting that change. But it will be the same change. Death really has nothing to do with resurrection in Jesus Christ. Else we all would have to die. And none of us that might then see the second coming of Jesus would be able to claim then resurrection from the dead. Except that in Adam we've already died. And it just is a matter of bodily death to establish that in the natural. But that was going to happen anyhow. And it's not going to be anything of the human soul. It has nothing to do with that. Except it's somewhat coincidental, I suppose. In that there is then the manifestation of life, which we are, and which is the basis of our humanity. But let that go. Let let the dead bury the dead. But what that does speak to, I think, resoundingly, and why, again, even if I'm not a theological scholar, and even if I can't with all confidence say, that's not what Paul's talking about, or that is what Paul's talking about when it comes to the sleep part and Jesus' second coming and what will happen to those that are still alive materially, naturally when Jesus comes again. Because it's got nothing to do with that. And what is it's got nothing to do with that? The resurrection of the dead. It's got everything to do with spiritual resurrection. That's what it's all about. Your human soul being realigned one with Jesus Christ because Jesus, for the sake of letting us know, showing us the way, being able to, in that human dimension, 
give us something very tangibly so that we could see that would allow us to see not only him, Jesus, as the Messiah, the Christ, but what that transfer, transformation, transfiguration, that's what I wanted to get out of my mouth, in Jesus Christ would be, God sent his son. But even in sending Jesus, Jesus was not bound to death any more than we are. Except the devil would trick you into believing simply because all things in the natural will have to go the way of change in the natural. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is predicated upon the love of God or in the love of God. The perfect love of God is manifest Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness and the resurrection from that death. That is the eternal death. That is where hell is. Hell is of spiritual dimension. I know there is a literal aspect to it, but no different than heaven. But where is heaven? If God is a spirit, then he is living in some spiritual place. I don't know if it has physical manifestation or even so for the sake of us having something to wrap our heads around when we talk about such things as we're trying to communicate salvation even in the way we are on today's podcast. We speak of it with the only things that we know in intellectual word sort of terms. It seems incredibly complicated because we have no way to really understand it because we're coming at it from a point or place of liability. (laughs) That's original sin. You can't explain something in human terms that you have no comprehension of except to try to define it in human terms and then you've already degraded it. But if you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then the testimony of Jesus' first coming, as with the Holy Spirit, that then quickens us so that we too can be the example of Jesus Christ resurrected in humanity through us, in us, because of Jesus, not anything of ourselves, then we have all reason to believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ and then the most important resurrection from the dead. That is the eternal damnation that comes to those who refuse to think any further than their bodily demise. And it will be proven when they get to their bodily demise. But if you're already trying to figure out ways to preserve your identity and personality, you've not sold out to Jesus in hereafter terms. It is important here. God loves you for who you are and the individual you are. And he gave you different expression even in human persona, personification of the Holy Spirit, sort of terms. And with that, he's allowed us to put names on it all, titles on it all. But it's all transactional, but only because of our human corruption. We can't conceive of anything that isn't in the most basic of ways, simplest of ways, transactional in the flesh. I don't care. Who talks to you? I don't care how eloquent of speech they are. I don't even care how intellectually bright they are. It won't amount to anything. It's what I said at the beginning of the podcast. It's just a bunch of thoughts. 
And unless it be sanctified in the Holy Spirit by the word of God, it's not going to lead us to Jesus. And if it doesn't lead us to Jesus, it's not going to save us. Is it a worthless effort? No. Try to be the best you can. It's the way God moves his love in natural terms. Really, it's the way that God gets us out of the way so his love can move, perfect love, can move freely so that we don't withhold, so that we don't lie, cheat, and steal, so that we don't defraud, so that we don't harm others, particularly those that are not yet quite convinced in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and and in which ye stand, by which also you are saved, or ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, Unless ye have believed in vain. And that's what I was saying a few moments ago. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present time, but some are fallen asleep. Now, is that again, pardon me for interrupting the, the flow of verses by not going immediately to the next verse. I need to pause here. Is that sleep as in dead or is that going back to dead? That's what I was trying to say a few moments ago. It's one and the same. You have to continue to believe. But belief is of carnality, at least human thought. But it needs to be fortified, reinforced, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans. <laughs> Read the word. Read the living word. Stir up the gift. Communicate in prayer. <laughs> through prayer. Your love language, your prayer language. Let that, the Holy Spirit, speak to you. Let that, Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit, minister unto you from within you so that you can be therein preserved. That is sanctification. It is protection from the evil in the world. And what is that? Humanism, pride, vanity. It's the same stuff that took the devil down at least our best understanding, as God would have given that to us in word, so we might comprehend it. But don't go back asleep. Don't fall asleep again. After that, continuing with verse 7 now, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, 
as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed unto me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you or ye believed. What does it take to be saved? It takes believing. Believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. For God sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth. But believeth is not a single believed. It starts with that. (laughs) And it's not even so simply of yourself. It's of the anointing as with then the anointed word, as with then the Holy Spirit who inspired those words that appealed related to our intellect, our thoughts, our cognitions, our empirical human experience, even even so to the witnessing of Christ, even so as the Apostle Paul points all of that out, that led them and possibly you, seeing all of us who are Christians doing the best we can in Jesus Christ to example Christ. Witness testimony of resurrection power Alive today. But the believeth part is it needs to be encouraged. We need to build one another up. We need to stirring again up the gift. Reciting the scriptures. Remembering the verses. Sharing God's love one unto another. Proclaiming the name of Jesus. Testifying unto Jesus by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Because there will be many that again, going back to verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. When Jesus comes again, you have to have oil in your lamp. When Jesus comes again, you don't want to be asleep. When Jesus comes again, you don't want to miss that opportunity. When Jesus comes again... We'll see the fullness thereof. And until he comes again, it is our service. It is as ambassadors of Christ, it is evangelism to preach Jesus Christ to the world for the sake the same. It's even the apostles, even Jesus, even all the prophets in the Old Testament for the sake of of redemption and salvation of the human soul. But it's not you and it's not the human body that's resurrected from the dead. It is Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be all about. And that's what we need to tell the world we're all about. And that is the only escape from the vanity that would lead us once again to hell. The pride, the arrogance, the doing it of ourselves out of ourselves.
It's a worthwhile pursuit. Even the Apostle Paul acknowledges the labor and his fervor. But that's not going to save you, except it would take you back to Jesus. That's what we do with Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. We lead you constantly in the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And we're not above using the Word of God. Taking full advantage of stirring up the gift by use of the Word of God. By bringing to remembrance the gospel of Jesus Christ. By prayer. By praying in the Spirit. By loving on you. And in that too, testifying unto abundant life that all of us can have in Jesus Christ. And one day when all of this, humanity, all the carnality, all the mortality is put behind this, not only will we be able to say, oh death, where is thy sting? But we'll be able to say, death is swallowed up in victory. And what is that victory? Sweet victory in Jesus. If you should want that, to go along with whatever else we might encourage you in, help you in, direct you in, of course, under the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, and with that, then, Word of God instruction then you can reach out to us. You can call us at 304-528-9220. You can visit us at covenantsonline.com. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Covenants. And, of course, you can come back for our next podcast. And until we would get a chance to meet again, I want to wish you the very best of godly blessings. I want to wish you the love of God in Christ Jesus, but I want to wish you openness of heart and mind to receive all of those things in the name of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to resurrect not only you from the dead, but you to be an instrument of the ultimate purpose, ministry of Christ Jesus, to resurrect all that would be in equal measure and way willing to receive. Until we get a chance to meet again, God bless you. And thanks.